So this is another International Joke Day. We had an International Joke Day, and I was going to do this service then, but something came up and we had to change, so we're doing it today. Um, if you've been around our church for very long, if you've been around me for very long, you've undoubtedly heard me say that laughter is a spiritual practice. I believe that with all of my heart and soul and spirit, laughter enlarges the heart and soul as little else can. It brings people together as little else can, tearing down walls, opening lines of communication, drying off tears. It is, I might even go so far as to say, a joyous form of prayer. And perhaps a form of prayer a creator might most like to hear, his, her, or their people laughing. It is biblical, after all. There are any number of verses in the Bible celebrating laughter, beginning with Genesis, where in chapter 21, Sarah declares, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. And in the difficult book of Job, it is said, he will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. And in Psalms chapter 2, but the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Buddhist monk, the Dalai Lama, laughs at every opportunity, it is said, and often cracks jokes even at his own teachings. Hinduism lifts up two kinds of laughter, the laughter and happiness that comes from achievement and pleasure, the good life, and then also the laughter and happiness that comes directly from God. Even Islam makes room for laughter. Oh, and let me interrupt myself right here. Did you hear the one about the Lutheran minister who was driving to town, driving down to New York and who was stopped in Connecticut for speeding? The state trooper smells alcohol on his breath and sees an empty wine bottle on the floor. He asks, sir, have you been drinking? And the minister says, just water. And the sheriff says, then why do I smell wine? The minister looks down at the bottle and says, good Lord, he's done it again. <laughs> we all do love to laugh, don't we? Or at least a little groan when we hear, let's say, a knock-knock joke. Oh, by the way, do you know why the chicken crossed the road? To get to your house. Knock, knock. The chicken! <laughs> now that's a groaner. But even a groaner is kind of fun. Laughter is good for us, not only spiritually, but also physically. A deep belly laugh stimulates chest, thorax, and abdominal muscles, diaphragm, heart, lungs, and liver. Increased supplies of oxygen course through the bloodstream. The pulse can double and blood pressure shoot up from the realm of 120 to around 200, after which both dip to levels below normal. Muscles relax and endorphins, the body's natural opiates, are released. Laughter is good for us. Laughter feels good. We like it and seek it out in comedy, puns, 
and jokes. And we tend to like people who provide us with ample opportunity for laughter. Many of us are closet joke tellers. That is, we long to tell jokes, but no, we never can get them quite right and will not really be appreciated for our efforts. Some of us, like me, never can even remember a joke that's not written down in front of them. Others can remember most of the joke, but always forget something crucial, like maybe the punchline. So we keep our joke telling very private, sharing it maybe and only with our most intimate friends, those who have a vested interest in making us think that we're charmingly witty and clever. Others of us don't keep our joke telling in the closet, but probably should. These are the people who gather others around them with the juicy bait of a really good joke and then painfully trip and stumble through it while their audience nods encouragingly with slowly fading smiles of anticipation on their faces. It goes something like this. Okay, you guys, okay, listen, listen. I have a joke. This is a really funny joke. Okay, now, let's see. Um, okay, there are these three preachers. They walk into a bar. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it was two preachers and a lawyer. You get the idea. But even then, it's a little bit charming. And then there are some people who really know how to tell a good joke. Um, let's see. Chip, do you have a good joke or two to tell? So we've done this before. You may remember this. There were these three atheists who died, all you use. They wound up at the pearly gates. St. Peter was in a good mood that day, so he said, look, if just one of you can tell me who Jesus of Nazareth was, I'll let you into heaven. The first you you said, wasn't he the guy that crawled down the chimney and gave presents to all the kids? <laughs> Next, St. Peter replied. The second you you responded, whenever a kid loses a tooth, Jesus puts a dollar under the pillow. Wrong said St. Peter, disgusted. The last you you said with confidence, Jesus was the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mother. At about the age of 30, he began his ministry. The message he preached conflicted with the teachings of the religious leaders who conspired to silence him. Go on, go on, the saint urged. The you you continued, he was brought up on trumped-up charges of blasphemy. He was found guilty and sentenced to be crucified. Upon his death, the disciples enshrined him in a tomb, <coughs> sealing it with a large rock. <coughs> Stop right there, said St. Peter. Are you two heathens listening to this man, what he's saying? They nodded. Resume your story, he said, to the other you, you. Well, on the third day in the tomb, which is Easter, Jesus came out of that cave, 
saw his shadow, and we're going to have six weeks of winter. You think that's sacrilege? Hmm, perhaps, perhaps. So you might be a UU if you gave up pot in the 70s because no one could guarantee it was organic. If you have big dental bills from grinding your teeth while arguing that the ACLU was correct in allowing the KKK's right to march. Oh yeah, there's another one. You might be a UU if you've ever been in a discussion about whether breast milk is vegan. <laughs> or you might think the holy day of obligation is, it's your turn to bring flowers. And you know, if you own a pair of Birkenstocks or two or three pairs of Birkenstocks, you know, like, you might be a UU then. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Those were good ones. And our own faith tradition gives us endless material for some really good jokes. For instance, the light bulb joke. How many you use does it take to change a light bulb? An undetermined number. We choose not to make a statement either in favor of or against the need for a light bulb. However, if on your journey you have found that the light bulb works for you, you are invited to form a committee, write a poem, or compose a modern dance about your bulb for next Sunday's service, during which we will explore a number of light bulb traditions, including incandescent, fluorescent, three-way, long life, and tinted, all of which are equally valid paths to luminescence. I love jokes, cartoons, comedy, and occasionally even just plain silliness. I like it when someone else dissolves into laughter, and I don't even really know why or what they're laughing at. I've become hysterical just laughing at someone else's laughter because laughter is contagious. But here's a bit of an ethical dilemma. Have you ever heard a joke that you thought was really, really funny even though you knew it was insensitive, offensive, or somehow otherwise politically incorrect? I have, and it's a very uncomfortable feeling. I have to ask myself why I find it so funny, or if I find some truth in that particular stereotype, I have to do a bit, or maybe more than a bit, of soul searching. And I do, I do that work. And then I go on to look at other humor, <clears throat> more appropriate kinds of laughter, kinds I can share with others. Because although laughter can be well enjoyed, even when one is alone, and I love to laugh even when I'm alone and my dogs laugh with me, it is usually best when shared with others. So we're going to share a few jokes. Christy, would you like to tell a joke or two? <laughs> I also found some UU jokes, and I'm going to follow up what Chip had with, you know you're a UU if you know five ways to say happy holidays. 
you know you're you you it's belly dancing has ever been a part of your service or in our case the hokey pokey and you know you're you you if you think whatever is a valid theology <laughs> that one i thought was really funny um, did you know that some UUs believe that life after death is like one big congregational meeting? They're just not sure if it's heaven or hell. <laughs> some UUs can sing really well and some can't. The difference is the ones who can't sing are probably reading ahead to make sure they agree with the words. And finally, there was a terrible accident, a car accident, and this woman was lying in the road covered in blood. The EMTs were attending her, and one of them was not sure she was going to make it, so he says, call a priest. She opened her eyes. She said, but I'm a UU. Call a teacher. <laughs> I really think that said a math teacher, didn't it? <laughs> Jeffrey wanted to tell a whole bunch of jokes this morning and I said here's one <laughs> a man received a parrot for his birthday the parrot was fully grown with a bad attitude and a worse vocabulary. Every other word was an expletive. And those that weren't were just downright rude. The new owner tried to change the bird ad's, uh, attitude with soft music and soothing conversations, but nothing worked. Frustrated, the man yelled at the bird, and the bird yelled back. He shook the bird, and the bird bit him. Finally, in a moment of desperation, the man stuffed the parrot in the freezer. For a few minutes, he heard the bird squawk and kick and scream. Then suddenly, there was quiet. Not a sound for half a minute. Fearing that he might have hurt the bird, the owner quickly opened the freezer door. The parrot calmly stepped out and said, I believe I may have offended you with my rude language and actions. It's an English bird, of course. I will endeavor at once to correct my behavior. I really am sorry and beg your forgiveness. At first astonished by the bird's change in attitude, the man clearly understood what had caused the reversal when the parrot said, may I ask what the chicken did? <laughs> I think if you corner Jeffrey during the coffee hour, he's got a bunch more jokes he would like to tell. April. Have you heard the one about a huge football fan receives a free ticket to the Super Bowl from his company? Unfortunately, when he arrives at the stadium, he realizes the seat is in the last row in the corner of the stadium. He is closer to the Goodyear blimp than the field. 
About halfway through the first quarter, the fan notices an empty seat 10 rows off the field on the 50-yard line. He decides to take a chance and makes his way through the stadium to the empty seat. Before he sits down, he taps the shoulder of the man in the next seat over. Excuse me, is anyone sitting here? The man says no. The fan can't keep his excitement to himself. He turns to the man and says, this is incredible. Who in their right mind would buy a seat like this at the Super Bowl and not use it? Well, actually, the seat belongs to me, the man replies. I was supposed to come with my wife, but she passed away. This is the first Super Bowl we haven't attended together since we got married in 1967. Oh, that's really sad, says the fan. Couldn't you find a relative or close friend to take the seat? No, the man replies. They're all at the funeral. <laughs> Sarah has a, a joke to tell. <laughs> minister churchy humor. The minister and the elders called a congregational meeting to discuss emergency building repairs that needed to be fixed before winter. We will be taking a special collection earmarked for the repairs, the minister announced. The person who is most generous will pick three hymns for the next Sunday service. Well, the offering plate was passed around and brought to the minister, and there on top of the pile was a $1,000 bill. How wonderful! Who gave this $1,000 bill, he asked, and a little old lady in the back shyly raised her hand. Please come forward and let us thank you, the minister urged. When she got to the front, the minister invited her to select the hymns she wanted. Turning toward the congregation, she stretched out her arm and said, I pick him and him and him. <laughs> I think maybe we could use that here sometime. <clears throat> So laughter is fun and healing and often irreverent, which also appeals to me quite a bit, but so does reverence. Like many of us here, I think I find myself caught between a general irreverence toward life and an abiding and profound reverence. I revere the human being, that amazing, amazing creature and the world in which we all reside. But there's a lot of stuff about the world and its inhabitants that bodes a certain healthy irreverence. Dean Kuntz touched upon this in his novel, Seize the Night, in which protagonist Chris Snow says, God must have meant for us to laugh through our pain because he stirred an enormous measure of absurdity into the universe when he mixed the batter of creation. This delightful duality of reverence and irreverence seems particularly well-suited, if I may say, to Unitarian Universalists. We are a serious-minded lot, deeply interested in causes and social justice issues and the greater good, 
yet we never hesitate to enter into any opportunity for raucous and uninhibited laughter. Indeed, this wide span between the revered and the ridiculous may be at the core, at the root of our infamous desire to converse. I'm sure you've all heard the one about a group of Unitarian Universalists who were given the choice of either going to heaven or to a discussion group about heaven, and they all chose the latter. <laughs> and I kind of like that about us, I think. And it is in keeping with Kuntz's character, Chris Snow, who also said, it strikes me as blasphemous not to embrace life, but to embrace it in dark times, I have to find the beauty concealed in the tragic, beauty which in fact is always there and which for me is discovered through humor. You may think me shallow and even callous for seeking the laughter in loss, but we can honor the dead with laughter and love, which is how we honored them in life. Yes, yes, yes. And while there is so much more I could say on this topic, and I mean so much more, it's an endless topic, I think I will leave it right there with the wisdom of Kuntz's character and with the love of all of you who are willing to share the joy and laughter of life with one another and with me. I am grateful, and let it be so.